everybody. This is Geek Salad Podcast, episode three. Want to thank everybody for rocking with us. My name is Christopher Aye Quest. I got my homeboy Big G. Big G, say what up to the people. Family, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Geek Salad. Thank y'all for hanging in there with us so far. No doubt, no doubt. A lot to talk about today, man. Yeah, no doubt. That's right, man. That's right, man. You know a lot. A lot going on in the world, man. A lot of news done dropped recently, man. So, look. So, recently, on last week, we had Jay-Z sign a partnership with the NFL for both social activism and, I would say, probably mostly for music. So, he's going to coordinate not just the Super Bowl, but also all the music that happens in the NFL, or at least a, a large portion of it. And my man Jay is getting a lot of backlash for it. Some people saying he's a sellout. Some people saying he should have at least included Colin Kaepernick in the whole thing. My thoughts on it is it is kind of, it's time to actually put dollars toward social justice. And I, I trust Jay-Z's track record, man. I think not just now, but in years past, you've seen him put millions of dollars up for the defense of people who couldn't afford lawyers he talks about social justice in his in his music and I, I really think Jay deserves the benefit of the doubt I've actually been going back and forth with a few different people on Facebook just you know trying to understand how people are so quick to demonize Jay-Z for this move and it's literally six days into the the news coming out like can we at least see like what he's going to do first can we see if his partnership with the nfl actually leads to some social change before everybody say oh nah jay sold out ah blah 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 this jay-z this jay-z that when are people gonna learn jay-z doesn't play checkers he plays chess he said as much in his songs he's always been that dude he's never just been that dude just out here slinging drugs He's a dude out here slinging drugs, trying to find a way how he can be the kingpin. You know what I'm saying? And he transitioned from that into rap, transitioned from rap into the business world. And he seems to win in every lane that he goes into. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. What you think, G? Well, you know, to to to, to make this seem fair, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Right. Okay. So now, now, granted, there is a part of me that's 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 liking the move that he's doing. But hands down, I feel as if, hey man, if the op- if the opportunity is there for you to get to not only spread more awareness within the, the NFL, but also you know make some money from it, I- I'm I'm all for it, right? The only thing about this situation is it's just that the, the optics doesn't look good. You know, okay. It's yeah. uh, not you know aside apart from Colin Kaepernick still not there. Of course, everybody's still talking about that as far as you know Colin Kaepernick should be there in that same room, or somebody should have asked Roger Gardell or the owners like, why have y'all not hired Colin Kaepernick? Even though he is better than probably like 70, 80 percent of the quarterbacks that are in the league now, and apparently like Charlemagne asked that, but that got edited from the actual like press conference. Oh, of course, know. that's not getting out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you know how you know they're going to paint the picture, but I will give Jay Z credit as far as him 
making a move and saying what he said. His his speech about kneeling and I think we're past kneeling. And let me be clear, I'm all for people still wanting to kneel, but I'm about action. Like, what do we do from here? That could have been said, you know, in a in a different way because of course, you know, people is gonna run with it and be like, oh. Jay-Z is saying, like, you know, we should be done with, with kneeling no more. We should be doing, you know, more. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, Jay-Z is the worst, you know, first and foremost. And that's how we all, you know, came to pretty much love him. So, in that aspect, I think he could have done a better job of, of making that cleaner. But, in the same vein, people tend to forget he is a business man. He has Rock Nation Sports Management. He has players that play NFL. So I don't see people getting mad at the NFL players that are still playing football when Kaepernick doesn't have a job. You may have one or two people speaking out against it, but even they are still playing football. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then, too, Shannon Sharp says something to the effect of, again, you are getting away Right, like like we are getting away from the core subject. Kaepernick was kneeling against police brutality. So what do people want now? Do people want Kelly Kaepernick to have a job? Or are people going to focus on his him bringing awareness about police brutality? It's like when, whenever something pops up, we're getting further away. What like started this whole debate about what is going on with just America, not, not the NFL, but America. But of course, Colin Kaepernick became the sacrificial lamb, you know, that died on the on the sword for, you know, him speaking up, you know what I'm saying? But right. I mean, it's, but, but then again, you know, we have to wait to see what happens before we call somebody a sellout. And I think that Jay-Z has earned, you know, some respect about his moves he has done not only for black people, but just for, you know, social injustice, period. You know, he's he's putting his money behind the action. He's putting his his time into it. Whereas people on Twitter or Facebook or the gram, social medias, they're just talking about it. Like when was the last time you got off of your ass to go do something for your area or speak exactly. up against somebody that has been held you know, with, with injustice, it's like, and then too, you know, it's like, when are we going to hear Colin Kaepernick say, like, indefinitely, I want to play? He probably can't because people tend to forget this man took a settlement, which I think might have been like back pay that he didn't get from the league. You know, he he got a settlement from the NFL, so it's like, all right, you know, when when are we going to hear from Cap directly addressing some of these things? Right. I I completely agree with you. And that's that's just the thing. Kaepernick and I'm not mad that Cap took a settlement because, like you said, I look at it as back pay is pay that he was owed by the NFL because he could have been playing the last two seasons. Like you said, he he I remember him in his prime. I'm not even called at his prime. I remember him early in his career and what he what he would do on the field and the way that he dismantled. I mean, completely destroyed the Packers. Uh, I, I might have been a year they went to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure. But anyway, he's talented enough to be in the league. He is better than any backup in the league. 
he should be starting. He is probably at least 10 teams. I can confidently say that he would be an upgraded quarterback from their starter. So the fact that he doesn't have a job and he's not suspended, I can see if, you know, it was some domestic violence or like there was some legal issues somewhere that he had a case hanging over his head because that will scare away teams as well. But for him to be perfectly clear of the law and to be that talented and then not have a job in the NFL, it tells me everything I need to know as far as the owners getting together and colluding to not let this brother work in the NFL. That being said, whether it's because of the settlement or whether it's just because he doesn't necessarily want to jeopardize his chances with a new team, he's been quiet. And that's really not something that you can be if you're going to be, if you're looking to be an activist, I'll put it that way. And again, not even demonizing Colin for doing that because at the same time, you know, he's he's still a young dude. He still can play football. You got the whole rest of your life to be an activist. Right. You only got maybe a five to 10 year window to play football before you're too old to play. So I'm not getting on him from that. But at the same time, people are lifting Kaepernick up like he's MLK, second coming. And that's just not, that's just not the case, man. He's doing a lot, and I I applaud the brother for the sacrifice that he he made for social change. But like you said, he may end up having to be a sacrificial lamb. Because this is the thing, and this is something that people don't tend to equate either. Colin Kaepernick, it's only... The reason he doesn't have a job is only partly because he's black. Because if you think about it, if you look at how the NFL is made up, it's not one organization. It's 30 individuals. It's 30 or 32. I get confused with the NBA and NFL. One has 32 teams, the other got 30. But it's a group of teams, individual teams coming together as a league. Roger Goodell, the commissioner, he works for the owners. The owners don't work for him. So... The fact that he doesn't have a job is partly because he's black. I'm not going to say there's not a color element to it because there is, but it's also because the owners care about green above everything else. And if they think the people who come to their games, who are also maybe Donald Trump supporters who hate Colin Kaepernick, if they think that it's going to affect their bottom line as a team owner, they're not going to put that player on their team. And that's really probably most of the reason Kaepernick doesn't have a job now, because any team that takes him on will have to be saying, okay, we're going to be praised, obviously by the black community. We're going to be praised by white, the white community who is progressive, who, you know, isn't, doesn't have any racism in the bones or at least know that there's a problem with social justice. But dang, what about these other Trump supporters? You know what I'm saying? These Trump supporters pay money too. The NFL's color that they're concerned about is not black or white, it's green. That is their main thing. What is going to affect the bottom line? Because if you think about it, if you remember with the whole Ray Rice thing some years back, initially what was going to happen is that the NFL was only going to suspend Ray Rice for two games and he was going to come back. But then whoever worked at the hotel or casino he was at released the video and showed this little diesel dude uppercutting his model girlfriend and people's like wait a minute it won't just like this small little thing you a big grown man and a football player with all your strength you punt you knock this 
120 pound girl out in the elevator and then dragged her so it's like that from an optics level that looked horrible and when that came out they was like you know what mm, we're gonna have to like sit you down and we're not gonna sign you they put them on some kind of commissioners exempt list and no team ever picked them up ever again never again now he was talented enough he had made the pro bowl a couple of years prior to that he was talented enough to play but the owners it's not like they didn't already know what he did because the nfl what they do anytime that you have something that happens as far as uh, domestic violence or whatever like that the commissioner calls you in his office and it's a thorough hour-long conversation it ain't like going to the principal's office when you were a kid for like 15 to 20 minutes like this it's a full-on investigation so it was they knew basically they knew what happened but then when the video came out it really changed public opinion on it and it was the start of the whole me too movement which you know it's more so with rape than it is domestic violence but like it was just a it was bad for the nfl so they decided to never hire the man again it's, it's about green. That's really what they care. If you can hit them in their pockets, then they're going to react or act. That's that's the bottom line. Exactly. Bottom line. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, and with, with reports of people, I guess uh, they're saying that Jay-Z may have a ownership in one of the teams right. out there as well. I'm, I'm still taking that with a grain of salt. So we'll see how that turns out. But... To me, the bottom line is Colin Kaepernick is not the the gatekeeper for anybody of of color working with the NFL. Right. It's like, granted, it would have been great to see him there. Like, hey, you know, you know, I'm walking in with with um, with um, KP, and we're good now. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. We are now up, I see you, but we are now up in here with, with my man Colin, and you know, we're going to make something happen. But, you know, it's, it, it, it is still messed up that he's no longer in the league. And will he ever be back in the league? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think, think so either. wants to take him because it's going to be bad for business. Pretty much, exactly. that's how it is. You know, people still, people still villainize him for newly against a flag thinking he's taking down America no his his thing has been and will always be his stand against police brutality but people are making it still making it so much bigger than that and you see how news and pundits has turned that into a whole different agenda so I'm tired of it man but hopefully you know bottom line we still haven't seen the fruits of jay-z's labor so you know we gotta see and then you know there's there's, there's rumors going around that uh jermaine dupree had like this like a, a similar deal with the nfl but jay-z told him like yo don't do it it's not a good look but then he takes it so mm. you know yeah i wonder if there's any pocket, if i said the same thing who, who was it that was saying that? I remember seeing it, but I don't know where it came from. Who was it that it was, was it? was Funk Flex and a producer named uh, Brian Michael Cox. Both of them confirmed by sources that, you know, you know, uh, Jay-Z convinced Jermaine Dupree not to take this deal with the NFL for, like, some type of an entertainment deal. Wow. But, you know, Jay-Z, you know, comes, comes behind him and seals the deal. Now, if that's true, 
that's shady. That is but shady. That's, that's snake like. That is, I mean that it, wise, but it's very shady. It is bit yo it. It's one of those things, man. Like I would say, yes, it, that would be shady, especially if I if you're somebody I consider a friend. But at the same time, yeah. if we're talking business, my dude, like, come on, that's like they're being an NFL contract on the line, and I play, you know, I'm a free agent, you're a free agent, and you ask me if you should take it, I'd be like, nah, you shouldn't take it, and then I go take it. Like it's messed up, but at the same time, if you you supposed to be a businessman, you got to be shrewd. You supposed to know the moves to take and right. the moves to make. So like, be your own man. Why are you worrying about what Jay Z saying or what Jay Z not saying? Like you gotta, you are you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do what's best for yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, just to put it this way, man. Before we leave this topic, like the the most G move that I have heard of in business was when Michael Jackson outbid Paul McCartney. For the Beatles stuff. Yeah. And, and these were like buddies. They made songs together. They were cool. They were chummy. But man, Michael Jackson was like, you know what? I'm going to outbid you to buy your group's catalog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, man, that is that is G Business 101. You know yeah, what I'm, I'm sure like, he never man, forgave him for that. This. Right. Never did, man. But nah, I would. Hey, man, it's, it's business. Right. But um, I know while uh, you want to talk about, you know, that there has been some updates to the Paul Rich, Mavic Carter, you know, uh, uh, thing coming from the NCAA, man. So if you can, my brother. No doubt. No. So a couple of weeks ago, the NCAA passed a rule that basically said if you want to represent a basketball player who's coming out of college, one of the requirements that we're going to make you have or that you have to meet is that you have at least a bachelor's degree. Now, people started to immediately call this the Maverick Carter rule because Maverick Carter, LeBron James agent, longtime friend and business partner, he doesn't have a college degree. Maverick Carter, he pretty much came in into being an agent pretty much the same time LeBron James came into the NBA and they've grown together. Obviously, he's learned the business. It's a very shrewd business dude. And he his influence, he represents many athletes and his influence is even more than just basketball. He does some television production as well. The, what really brought it up was there was a, a high school athlete. He was a McDonald's All-American. And the NCAA more or less was upset because what Mar- Maverick Carter did is he made it so that the athlete could have a, excuse me, a one-year internship with New Balance that would pay $1 million. And the significance of that is, if you don't know, the way the NBA has it set up, it used to be a time where you could just jump straight from high school to the NBA if you were good enough. The right. NCAA changed that. I want to say maybe a year or two after. I mean, the NBA changed it. A year or two after LeBron James came in the league. So now what you have to do, you have to be at least one full year removed from high school before you can declare for the NBA draft. What Maverick uh, Carter did okay. and what was cool about that and how he set up this internship for this kid with New Balance, not only does it put a million dollars into this kid's pocket, but during this internship, he still can continue to work on his his game, his basketball game, and now he can declare for the NBA draft the following year. The NCAA don't like that because hmm. the NCAA for years right. have been pimping out these kids, making billions. 
B, offer their their student athletes, and all the athletes have to show for it is a scholarship. That don't even out. So they wanted to get rid of not just Maverick Carter's influence, but any other up and coming agents who may will go college and give kids alternative ways to make money while going to the NBA. And you know what? That's that's just jacked up. That, let's just call it what it is. They see because the money is going to be made, but what it what's going on is they see a man of color cutting in on some of that money that the NCAA has traditionally gotten, and they don't like that. And that's that's not a good look for them. I want to say uh, maybe a week after it came out, they changed it. So yeah. there were other regulations that that they changed as well. One that they took off, I believe, was the one requiring a bachelor's degree. Okay. You were saying something? Okay. Yeah. All right. So going back to what to what to what you were saying about the kid doing a internship with New Balance. So right. is he is he is he going to be in school or is he just working with New Balance? Like how? How is his skills going to be shown to where he, he can be picked up by an NBA team? Because you know, going to college is pretty much just for that. You play ball, hoping that scouts from the league will see how you play. You, you know what I'm saying? Throughout the years, how your game improves before you jump into the league. But if you're not going to school or doing an internship with New Balance, how is that helping him out? to secure something down the line with the league. With the league, right. Well, the NBA, kind of similar to the NFL, they have a combine. So any college athlete that declares for the draft, basically you get to go and work out for the teams. The teams usually will send representatives to a place and you can go work out for them. What I like about it, and, and my feelings have changed over the years. Like when I was younger, I always thought that it would be better for athletes to go to college at least a couple of years or at least one to do something, you know, so that you won't end up being like Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker was a great NBA player, made probably $100 million in the league. And last I heard, he was broke because, you know, you make all of this money but you don't know how to manage it. So you got yourself, but then you got all of your homeboys too, all your people from your hometown. And you throwing extravagant parties and you live way above your means thinking the cream ain't gonna never stop churning. And then you're not making money no more all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden you broke. So had you went to school for at least a few years, it still could happen to you because you got people with doctorates in finance who are broke. But I would say the odds become less and less the more educated you are. The reason I, I've kind of flip-flopped over the years is because you can go to college at any time. There's nothing to stop you from going to college. You know what I'm saying? You could go to college, you could decide at 35 to say, okay, ha haven't been to college, but you know what? I'm going to go to college now. So my thinking is, if you have the ability at 18 or 19 years old to go and work in a profession that's paying millions and millions of dollars, go into that profession that makes millions and millions of dollars, make all the money you can. And then when you're done with that, if you so choose, if you feel like you need to just be smarter or you just want a degree for the heck of having a degree, degree they go back to college and guess what you don't need a scholarship from a team i mean from a uh from a school you got millions of dollars you can 
pay for school anywhere on earth. You know what I'm saying? So why would right. you forego? Think about it. We tell our young people or the the thinking is you go to college at 18, 19, you get your degree. Usually, unfortunately, you end up going into crippling debt at the same time, but you get your degree and the hope is you're going to be making so much money that having all of this debt from your student loans isn't that big of a deal. You pay it off little bit by little bit. It may take you 15 or 20 years to pay it off. But at the end of the day, on average, a person with a degree is making more money than a person without a degree. So that's what a thinking is. And that makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. But only point what zero 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 one percent of all athletes are good enough to say they can play on a professional level. So the rules shouldn't be the same for somebody who can make all of these millions at 19 as it would be for the average 19 year old because the average 19 year old don't got a million dollar offer on the table the average 19 year old would be lucky to get a job at Chick-fil-A and get free chicken sandwiches you know what I'm saying so my whole thinking now is if, if you can make money make millions for yourself for your family set yourself up Go ahead and do it. And then go back to college if you want to later on. I, my whole thing, man, is that the NCAA know what they're doing. I mean, right. for years, everybody has known that, you know, you're making so much money off of these kids. And some people say, you know, you should give these kids, you know, some of this money. And before, I was, I was a part of that. But then... I thought about, well, maybe not give them money, but maybe like give them some money after, you know, they, they leave school. Because right. if if you're giving kids, you know, thousands of dollars during their school year, nobody is going to graduate. Nobody is going to come to practice. These young kids are going to ball out because they got so much money in front of them. True. Versus, you know, you know, playing, playing the game. So I do feel as if like, you know, some of these student athletes should get something besides just, you know, being able to get on, on the free scholarship because these schools is making so much money off of these TV deals, off of these tickets, off of these merch. They're making so much money off of these kids sweat that by the time they leave school, the kids just get like what maybe a couple of names on the Raptors and jerseys, maybe a trophy in their name, but that's it. You know, their likeness is, is, is solely sold to that school and they don't reap the benefits of it. Especially if they don't make it into the NFL, man, why not give the kids some money after they graduate? So, you know, they so they can be, you know, set in their goals for the future. You know what I'm saying? Because the NCAA like is greedy and they don't care. Oh, yeah. That's Hands it. Down, man. Hands down, man. That is it, bro. All right. All right. So just um, to switch gears a little bit, did you hear about this new, or I should say the lack of a deal between Sony and Marvel? Did you hear about that? Oh, man. With Sony and Disney. Yo, man. <laughs> Yo, it's, uh, it's a death of a dynasty, man. Damn. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's Rockefeller breaking up. It's, it's, it's the Fuji's no longer around. Oh, man. You know, first, first the fat boys break up. Now every day I wake up. You know, it's one of these things, man. You know, it's, uh, so the word on the street is that Sony and Marvel couldn't come up with a compromise uh, as far as Marvel wanting more credit 
when it comes to making the next Spider-Man movies. Now, of course, Spider-Man Far From Home has just became the biggest grossing Spider-Man movie of all time. And of course, you know, with the help of Kevin Feige and Marvel and Disney, you know, they shaped that movie into what it is right now. And, and Spider-Man is so integral to the whole Avengers and MCU spotlight nowadays. Before, they was getting like maybe 5% of the, of the credit, but now they want 50-50 with, with Sony. Sony is saying, well, because Kevin Feige is now taking on the Fox deal, we don't think, well, we think that he has too much on his plate to both handle MCU, the Fox properties, and not Spider-Man. We think Kevin should focus on, on those and have him keep doing what he's doing now. Marvel's, Marvel is pretty much saying, like, look, partner, we made y'all over a billion dollars. Like, yes, you know, this is still not a movie. You know, but y'all let us do our thing to make it to what it is. You know, we want 50-50. I can see if they say, you know, we want 60-40. They're not doing it. They say, yo, let's be fair and let's do 50-50. Because they know that Spider-Man is such a big property. But Sony is now disappointed that Marvel won't stay in their place. So, how do you feel knowing that Sony is now going to try and mimic Marvel's formula to keep Spider-Man popular now that pretty much now they, they have them all to themselves now. Man, all I know is I've seen this movie before and I've seen what Sony does when they get a chance to do a Spider-Man movie and I'm not impressed with it, like not even a little bit. So, I mean, I know it's all about money and we were talking about this earlier. We kind of gotten spoiled with the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe has gone it's, it was something that they got to build up over years and bring all of these individual standalone movies well, not standalone movies but all of these individual character movies and then let that culminate in 2012 with the first Avengers movie which is this something that I don't know if kids know how dope that is but this is something that we dreamed of when we were kids like you know, having a shared universe, having all of the heroes from that, from those individual movies come together into one movie. So we kind of been spoiled. So now fast forward to this year where you had Avengers Endgame and you had Iron Man die. You had Captain America now is like a thousand years old. You got Thor. He's out in space. It, it seemed like it was only natural that a natural progression would be that now you would have Spider-Man, kind of like he did in the comic books, come on and like kind of take on more of a leadership role. And it made sense because right. the, the actor who plays Spider-Man is like in his early 20s. So he could grow into that role. He had a solid 10 years that he could have continued playing Spider-Man. And who knows how many movies, how many tie-ins here and there that that could have entailed. But now, apparently, Sony is just going to have him in his own universe. Now, granted, that's going to be kind of dope because now you kind of can see him linking up with Venom. And, you know, there are a lot of Spider-Man villains that, you know, you could, could, they could, they could do good by it. It could still be good. But it was like, yo, having everything in one universe, man, that was a dream. That was a dream. Remember earlier in the year where who came who came back was it fox did fox get the rights i mean the fox come over to disney earlier in the year 
Right. I know yeah. they were bringing over Disney, the X Men. Pretty much, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. So this is kind of like it's like the nerd, <laughs> the nerdgasm was coming to, <laughs> it's coming to fruition. Like it was about to happen. It's like we about to have all of these people that we loved as kids, right. all of these characters come together and finally be in one universe. I don't know how they were gonna do it because it was so many characters, but it's like now having Spider-Man not being, it's kind of like a slap in the face. But you know, it can it's still be good. Because yeah. look at, yeah, I mean, look at Sony's track record, right? Spider-Man One and Two with Tobey Maguire, they were fun movies. Spider-Man Three, a whole different beast, right? Nobody liked that movie. Then you had the Amazing Spider-Man One and Two with Andrew Garfield, right? First one was was okay. Second one was abysmal. Then again, it's like Eric Sony again telling another story about the Goblin. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, man, can we can we please tread to different villains? Then you come across Marvel's version of Spider-Man. You got a great actor, Tom Holland, playing a younger Spider-Man. People love this guy as Spider-Man. He embodies the young Peter Parker. He looks like a kid, sounds like a kid. It fits him, and then. You're giving us different villains that we haven't seen before. You gave us a great Mysterio. You know what I'm saying? You're 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 giving us pieces of of what what fans have been looking for for such a long time. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, Sony is an okay company. I love what they did with the Spider Verse because they they gave Lord and Miller. The, the, the creative freedom to make them move into what it is and now they're trying to secure them to develop more like live action movies within that universe and I'm cool with that like you know give them give them the freedom to make the movies that they want to make I'm afraid that once they start making these standalone Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland there's going to be so many hands in a pot that it's not going to it's not going to come out great Kevin was like the singular voice of all these Marvel movies because he had a vision. Unlike Sony did with the earliest Spider-Man movies and what Fox did with the X-Men movies, he is the sole voice that has steered the ship for all these movies to, to, to you, know, you know pretty much come out like a factory. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, he's like uh, Barry Gordon of Motown. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's like everything that he touches, it comes out gold or platinum. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I'm afraid that Sony is going to drop the ball when it comes to trying to etch out Spider-Man's vision for the future. I think it's one of those things, bro, where, like, it's harder than it looks. I think, you know what, one thing about that I've noticed about people who are just really good at something is they have the ability to make it look easier than it actually is. And I think that's something that Kevin Feige does. Because I look at it like, I remember before the Justice League movie came out, DC was scrambling trying to get a movie or movies on the same par as Marvel. So what they did before Justice League even came out, whenever it was that Suicide Squad came out, there was an original cut of it and the directors was just like, not the directors, probably the producers was just like, no, this isn't on par with Marvel. It's too dark. It's too gritty. 
um, make it still be kind of gritty, but like inject some life into it, make it a little brighter, make it a little bit more fun. And they went back and, you know, they made a version of it that was more fun, but it still won't a Marvel Cinematic movie, especially talking about the last, say, five years of Marvel Cinematic movies. It, it's just not on par with it. So fast forward to having Justice League come out. And I'm thinking maybe this is the movie that they get it right. And they stay, they flopped. Like, how do you flop with the Justice League? Like, it wasn't a, a commercial flop. Like, it made a boat ton of money. But, you know, the people who really know comic books and the people who really just, in general, appreciate a really good movie, they was like, nah. So it's like DC, with all of this knowledge and watching Marvel from afar for all these years, still can't get it right. And I think it really speaks to the talent of certain directors and certain producers coming in, just being really good at what they do and knowing how to set it up and have the right actors, have the right script, have the right tone of the movie to have that recipe to be just right for it to be a success. And I, I don't know if Sony's going to be able to do that because the last time they tried to do it with a Spider-Man movie, you had Jamie Foxx playing Electro. And I love Jamie Foxx, man. The, the dude is ultra talented, but he was horrible, bro. Right. And the character was horrible. Man. Like, no amount of talent is going to overcome a script that's just whack. Like, point blank. Yeah, that was the worst part of that movie, man. But I would tell you this, right? Like, uh, we all know that Venom came and went. But what people tend to find out, Venom was a good example of a bad, good movie. And the movie made so much money, it's ridiculous that they're making a, a Venom 2. And now they got uh, Andy Serkis to direct Venom 2. So, and, you know, if, for those that don't know, Andy Serkis was the guy that played Hulk Claw in the Black Panther movie. He also played, well, he mocap uh, uh, Smeagol from the Lord of the Rings movies. The he Precious? Also, uh, mocap Caesar. <laughs> Yeah, my precious, uh, he, uh, he mocap uh, Caesar from the Planet of the Apes movies, you know what I mean? So now, he is he, he is coming to his directing move now. So, we're going to see if Sony is going to try to find a way to finally connect Venom with Spider-Man now. And I think what, you know what would be dope if... If they do go ahead and then just make it to where it's just like Spider-Man being in that universe. Craven the Hunter. It would be dope to see Craven the Hunter come back. <laughs> Venom, Carnage, and Spider-Man all together. Maximum you know Carnage. Saying? Like, I'll be yo, I'm there for it. Man, dude. Dude. Man. Think about it, man. But the thing is, Sony needs to have somebody who would be the visionary to map everything out just like Kevin Feige did. Because Sony tried before because because I don't know if you remember, they were trying to do like a whole Sinister Six movie and they was gonna have like an Aunt May movie. It got really wild. Like over 10 years ago, man, what they was trying to do and it just sounded horrible. But I don't know, man, it's uh, you know, a thousand nerds, well, a millions of nerds was, was uh, was heartbroken when they heard the news yesterday, man, about this uh, divorce that is uh, now now here, man. So we gotta we gotta pour out forty for a homie Spider-Man leaving the 
MCU, man. Ah, but you know, it is what it is, man. It could still be dope, you know. Yeah, man. still be good. Still yeah, be but dope. you know, there is some. Yeah, yeah, but there is some news that might make people happy again. Uh, it's been confirmed that they're making another Matrix Four movie somehow, some way. <laughs> how, man? Keanu Reeves is coming back. <laughs> how does that happen? Like how? Like where do you go from here in the Matrix, man? I mean, like they already they finished it off. Like I don't know. At the end of the third one, it turns out he. He wasn't the savior. He was just one of a bunch of saviors, but then he kind of was the savior, and then he returned to the heart of the Matrix, and, like, it saved everybody. Like, how, man? Like, how? where do you go from here? <laughs> like, I feel like you have to be, like, intelligent to the level of, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh-huh. You need 10 Neil deGrasse Tysons to come together and put right. their eggheads together to, to make sense of it and to write a uh-huh. new script for that. Like, I don't, I don't see no other way to do it. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, see, I really wonder if it's really going to be like an actual Matrix 4, or are they going to reboot it? It's, I don't know, man, it's, um, I kind of, I kind of wish deep down that that would have been like a one of them movie with like the first one, like, because it was, it was so different for the time that it came out, if you only got just one of that movie, I think so much lore and so much what so many theories could have been created off of that that one subject. You know what I'm saying? Like I kind of I kind of wish that it was it was just one and done, but the other two movies that's this made the series like murkier and really confusing and it turned into something else. And then for them to make a part four, I mean I'm all for, you know, the the black leather coming back and the aerobatic <laughs> moves with the slow motion with the, with the with the guns everywhere like uh, yeah, you know i'm cool for the action but the the story, the story part that's is what the I'm problem afraid the story of. like yeah it hasn't mm-hmm. made sense but then shoot i mean did the original matrix make sense i mean it, it did kind of but it was such a far out the there story the story was so far out right. there so i mean i don't think it's I don't think it's going to be hard to just add on to the story. You know what I'm saying? I'm just eager to see exactly how, how it's going to turn out. Um, so they confirmed it. Do you know when they're going to start shooting? Nah, not yet. There, there's no word of when it's going to start production. Yeah. But I'm really interested just to see who they decide to bring back, who else they're going to bring back, what, what they're going to add new this fourth movie and if it's still going to be a whole bunch of science junk <laughs> or if it's going to be a decent movie with the sci-fi element to keep you interested but it's going to be enough to push it forward if that makes sense you know like like i wonder i i want to know what's their end game with, with this fourth movie yeah because you're you're already breaking the trilogy and you know sometimes but it's most when you do a part a part four and a part five you're either trying to do something wrong like a james bond franchise or like a mi6 or like a fast and furious oh my so god I'm like, okay yo what's the reason why we're doing a major movie? side note speaking of fast and furious did you see hobbs and shaw nah <laughs> and i have no desire to watch <laughs> I think I'm I'm done. I only saw it. I only saw it because 
Like, I'm to the point now. Like, I don't know if y'all used to watch Seinfeld, but the funny thing about Seinfeld is on the show, I don't know if Jerry Seinfeld does it in real life. On the show Seinfeld, he would get up with his friends and he would go to movies that he knew was going to be horrible just because if something is so horrible, it still can be entertaining just because it's so horrible. So I went to see Hobbs and Shaw just to see how many times they could flip like a helicopter off of a mountain with a motorcycle attached to it. You know, it was at one point in the movie with a rock, <laughs> he was in the back of a pickup truck and he had a, a chain and he, the bad guy was in the helicopter. He whipped the chain and got like hooked to the bottom of the helicopter and he's pulling the helicopter toward the truck. This, this is a regular man. This is so strong that he can pull a helicopter that's in the sky, down from the sky, down to the truck. Where he, I was like, really? When did this nigga become a mutant? Like, I don't understand, man. It was just it's moments like that throughout the whole movie. And it made it really right. entertaining just because of how bad it was, man. Just because of how bad it was. Is it? Is it one of the movies where you just gotta turn your brain off and just enjoy the the, the sound? No, I would say don't turn your brain off to enjoy it. Just come into it with the expectation that you're gonna see some stuff that's ridiculous. First of all, <laughs> I was like, I like, I was talking to my cousin. My cousin went to go see it with me. It was like maybe 30 minutes in a movie. I was wait a minute. Every girl in this movie is a model. Where the regular girls? <laughs> like, it was just so. Like, oh, it's so nah. obvious. Come on, man. You it's know. so obvious what they're going for. But I'm like, okay, ah. every every single girl is a Victoria's Secret model in this movie. Even the assassins, everybody is like, like, come on, bro. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Go into it with the mind state. That's the MO, man. I know, but it's just yeah. so ridiculous, man. Go into it with the mind state of you about to watch something that's ridiculous and just laugh mm. at it for how bad it is. And that's what I did, and I had a, I had a good time, man good time okay cool cool <laughs> uh, i mean I'm, I'm i'm hey man maybe one day i'll i'll watch it until it comes on tv but i i think i'm over i kind of i really wish that uh they would kind of go back to the roots because now it's like the fast five crew are like international uh cia group you know saving the world versus you know doing like stuff you know like 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 local like the first few movies, you know what I'm saying? Now they're saving the world from, from super viruses and everything else. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It was, it was funny how bad it was. Side note: I heard they're going to yeah, they're about to start production on the the latest installment of Fast and the Furious. I want to see how Tyrese and The Rock gonna get together on the set, man. Like that's that's hilarious, man. Tyrese, that's my boy, man. But he'd be, he be out there sometimes. Yeah. He'd be out there, bro. Like I don't think The Rock is going to be in it. I think that's the whole reason why they did Hop, Hop and Shaw. Oh, for real? Because, you know, The, the Rock and, and Vin Diesel, if you notice, the, in the last movie, there was never a scene where The Rock and Vin Diesel were, like, next to each other. Right. So that, yeah. that entire movie, they have beef. So, like Martin, why, like Martin and so, Gina. Martin the last season like yeah like that that's crazy and that's why you know Tyrese was so 
you know, going crazy over social media because The Rock was doing the Hobbs and Shaw movie breaking up the family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that. So that's why now going forward, you won't be seeing The Rock in those movies because they're trying to start their own franchise now. Hmm. You know, I've never been a, a big fan of people pocket watching other people. Like from what I hear, Tyrese was upset that The Rock was moving forward with Hobbs and Shaw because that means the fact the I'm about to call it the Fantastic Four. The Fast and the Furious franchise had to, had to wait. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm gonna put both the, of those movies. The, the, the... Huh? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> like they're not gonna oh, put no, both I thought, out at the I same time. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, I mean, it it makes sense, but you know, Tyrese was bugging, man. I, That's what I'm I, saying, I know man. That's what I'm saying. To stay, like, to stay together. To make a bigger move. What did they want for me? What was he saying? What was? Yo, Tyrese Fuck was on that oop week, man. Remember that that Martin special? Man, Talking about the dude yo, sold him the oop, the dope man us, sold him the oop week. Tyrese man. was on that oop week. Yeah, man. He was on it. He gave us some 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 comedy gold. <laughs> gold, bro. <laughs> Freaking gold. What was he saying? Like, what do you want what for do me? What do you want for me? <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Yo, man, Tyrese brother. He was bugging, bro. Yeah, man, but he good though, man. I like Tyrese. Yo, I don't know if it was um, his last album. It might have been the album before that one. I actually liked it, man. Um, Can't think the joint we had that song. um, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of me. Right, yeah. Yo, that was a dope album, man. man. I don't and look. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that started the beef between him and the Rock. But it was it was somewhere around there because apparently he had sent a rock a copy of it and he wanted the rock to do like a drop for him or something on social media because you know the rock got like a billion you know followers he was like the rock got on camera was like Tyrese is like fuck you for sending me this bullshit or something and like when he first <laughs> said it I thought he was playing but like he didn't crack a smile at all like he was like. He meant that. He's like, Damn. this is trash. I was like, dang, though. Wow. That's, mm. that's something behind that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, uh, he wasn't, yeah. That's, that's funny, man. I see, I ain't, I didn't hear about that, but, but hearing it now, I can believe it. Like, damn, Rock, you ain't got a, you ain't got an ish on my man's career like that now. Man, that's messed up. That's messed up. Speaking of music, the, the transition into music a little bit. I know, I know you've seen all these top 50 lists come come out, but uh, I was yeah, thinking man. that actually, VA producers ain't getting the love that they deserve, man. Yo, mm-hmm. Shout out Virginia. It's like, mm-hmm. yo, we need to be at, talking about Virginia producers as a whole, we need to be at the top or like at least top five in everybody's list, bro. Top everybody five or top 10, man. Yeah, because you know. Definitely, man. Hands down, from from a hip hop standpoint, we have producers that have made a, a lot of hits over the past 10, 20 years. We got a lot of producers that have been able to cross genres of music. And we have producers that have changed the game impact wise, sound wise, never been never ever can be duplicated. And then we got producers that, that always give us that that head knock, that head bob music. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's we need more love 
photography producers, man. So I would start off with on one of them. Of course, um, uh, a lot of people may not know, but but Bink, Bink is a is a video producer that does a, a lot of work for you know your your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. He was a huge contributor exactly. to Rick Ross's last album, Rather You Than Me. And I know you get like a, a, a song off of that album that you that you just love when you whenever you want to work out. Fam, when I say, yo, shout out to Bink, Bink the Humble Monster. <clears throat> Excuse me, B.A. all day. That was my drop. Uh, <laughs> when I talk about, yo, Rick Ross' album, not the one he just came out with, Port of Miami 2, mm-hmm. but the one before that, uh, Rather You Than Me. My favorite song on the whole album was Santorini Grease, and Bink produced it. When I say I played that song on repeat every day, it's like certain songs just put you in a whole different mind state, a whole different... I could listen to that song every day. It's just so... It's like Rick is spitting his whole street thing, you know what I'm saying? His whole, Mm -hmm. you know, dapper thug type thing. But then it's like the... Mm -hmm the music is so elegant like you know what i'm saying that's the perfect way to put it. you know what you know what it reminds me of visually it reminds me of the kingpin from the daredevil netflix show because he's a dude he's so brutal like you remember when he he was smashing homie's head into with the yeah. door of the car door mm-hmm. <laughs> he decapitated I that nigga i was like god yep. I'm like, but then at the same time he come and cook up a gourmet meal for the, the woman he loved you know what i'm saying and he just so like together it's like it's brutal and beautiful at the same time, man. And that's how that beat was to me. Another producer, shout out to Knott's Raw, was actually my cousin. Didn't even find out he was my cousin until like maybe a couple of years ago, man. Shout out to the Lamb family. But he's been doing this thing, I mean, for so many years, so underrated. I mean, he's just a genius in the studio, man. We talking about producers who to this day have that classic boom bap style and can really like um, transport you to like another time and they put all this soul in their beats and like they can flip a sample like nobody else Bink gotta be mm-hmm. at the top he right up there with Knife Wonder in my opinion um, let me tell you as man as far as oh, artists doing oh, that real quick before you go forward man like I was just thinking about that too about Knots like the fact that he he made beat well he produced that song That's That Ish with Snoop Dogg he did Busted Joints he did little brother joints. He produced for, yeah. you know, he did albums with from Asher Roth, DMP. Who else, man? Of the game. Who else, man? Like, oh, that no styles of joint. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's a Kendrick Lamar song or a uh, Pusha T song. I think it's a Pusha T song. Yeah, no, it, yeah, because I'm pretty sure it's yeah. featuring Kendrick Lamar. No styles of what? Man, yo, that joint, man. Yeah, I rapped over that J too. I rapped over. My first one as good as, as Pusha T or uh, 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 Kendrick, but like I ripped this Jake though. I ripped, I'm just right. like, you know, yeah. like, I don't, you know, throw my throw my hat in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did, <laughs> you know hey, what I'm man. saying? If, but yeah, if nobody like, else yo, do it. You gotta do it. But on um, who else you, you have? Got to, bro. Who else? Talking about some of the producers who have changed the sound of music. Going back to Teddy Riley and the the new jack swing sound like he was one of the architects of that talking about the neptunes who have literally made hits for everybody across genres man like i've never seen it before i don't think it's ever been done in music where you would talk about a team 
Liverpool is so so pliable. You know what I'm saying? So they can do so many different things, whether you want some rock, whether you want some soul, whether you want some mm-hmm. hip hop, whether you want some futuristic sound and stuff that you ain't never mm-hmm. heard before. Like they're they're in that lane. They're one a guy who's kinda like that is Kanye. You know what I'm saying? Even though he's crazy, but if you remember when he came out with the uh, Heartbreaks and 808s album, right. how you were probably expecting it to sound like college dropout or, you know, graduation or something like that. And then it's like, it's like, what is this? <laughs> I exactly. never forget. So I never forget. Man. Me and my woman, me and my woman was, I had just purchased this CD. That's how long ago it was. I bought the CD. Purchased the CD. Me and my woman went to Sonic. We got like some ice cream or something. I popped open the CD, put it in the CD deck. From the first song, I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? Like, what is, what is going on? What is happening right now? Like, I, I'm expecting hip-hop, and he hit me with some futuristic type some tunes. Uh, love love and loss shit. Like, I'm like, ah. But then if you think about it and listen to that album years later, that album changed the sound of, of music, man. It really did. So it's like, it can, I can appreciate it more now. But I just, my ears weren't ready for it back in, what was it, 08, 09 that came out? Man. Weren't ready for it at the time. You know what it I'm did. saying? But um, definitely the Neptunes are like that. And Timberland mm-hmm. too. Timberland, we talking about beats like the beat he did for Aaliyah, One in a Million. That, oh, yo, man. he changed the landscape of music and the way that music sounds in the early 2000s. He changed it. And then, I mean, this, this, just think about those two guys or those two sounds, period, from Neptune's, you know, from Super Thug to Noriega to working with, you know, Gwen Stefani, no doubt, working working with, you know, everybody in hip-hop, then all the way up to, like, Pharrell's Happy. Like, between Neptune's and Pharrell, like, that sound became so big that everybody wanted a piece of it. And then you you got Timberland, who, to me, is probably a better, like, R&B prop pop producer but even his hip-hop beats is is still phenomenal from you know him doing his thing with missy genuine Aaliyah himself and magoo it's like nothing <laughs> sounded like what he did again he changed the game to where different producers are trying to either mimic his style or do something completely different to like stand out and those two sounds man stood out for so many years, it's like I don't think we have something like that now because it, because everybody now is trying to do like their own their own style of either drill music or trap music. Whereas like you know, there's yeah. not like like somebody that can like really give a stamp on like you know you know what that's their sound. They sound unique now. I gotta give it to some other producers like uh like like Mustard or like Mike Will. Or like um, Heatmaker, like those guys make good music, but I haven't heard a sound yet that is that, that was so different. I'm like, yo, that sounds so different. It can work, and I think, man, that's what I miss about you know, like 10, 20 years later, where we had cast like you know Neptune's and, and Timberland from our home doing such a dope job, man, with like this this making production dope again. You know what I'm saying? See, make production don't forget it's an M P M P D A. MP it's an M P D A hats. 
Make, make production yeah. dope again. That should be yeah, on a shirt, but, man. That should be on a hey, shirt. Hey, you know what? Let's you know what? Listen, listen. When I, you ain't saying nothing for the thing. When I tell you I'm writing that down, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do something similar to that. That's see, and you know what? Million dollar ideas start just like that. <laughs> but um definitely you know, <laughs> it's kind of getting back on on Taz. Like, yo, this definitely respect. And shout out to all the Virginia producers, both old and the, the new ones coming up. A lot mm-hmm. of talent out here, not just producers, MCs as well, singers. A lot of talent in Virginia. I think what happens a lot of time out here, they aren't. The good thing about this time that we live in now, you don't necessarily have to have an outlet. You know what I'm saying? If Whether you're talking about shooting a music video yourself mm-hmm. or recording your own music, you can do pretty much everything yourself if you got the knowledge, and then you can like put it on YouTube and people can discover it. Whereas years ago, you had to go to the tastemakers in town, and a complaint that a lot of people had, it wasn't a lot of that in Virginia. It wasn't a lot of you know, places that you could go and, and have an outlet for your music. And, you know, mm-hmm. the cool thing about it now, it's not as as many barriers to entry into the music game now. Mm-hmm. Also, the bad part about everybody being able to do it is now everybody's able to do it. So you got a lot more competition <laughs> than you would have had like 20 <laughs> years ago. So that's, I mean, I like, yo, if you're going to do music, you better come right. with it. You know what I'm saying? You better come with it. Because now, mm-hmm. it used to be like if you went somewhere and you say you was like at an open mic and you suck only the people there are gonna know about it like it's like 20 or 30 people but like shoot now if yo if you suck enough if somebody was recording that like yo Uh that's gonna be all over facebook instagram look at this whack ass nigga he thought he had some bars you know whack ass get your whack ass on stage you know what i'm saying like it's different now it's different now bro you better come with it now I think because, um, you know, music is so accessible and so much more right. easier to make both, you know, yeah. vocally and like production wise. We get so much music now, it's just kind of hard to shift through the trash to find the good music. Like, you still have your outlets to where people will like spotlight good music, but it gets buried under so much trash that gets released every single week. Or, or not even trash. It's just there's, there's not too many artists taking risks to sound different. Yeah. It's like everybody's riding a wave. Which again, if I had some of even the work habit of or talent of these artists, hey man, I would do the same thing to make a couple bats and then you know get out and do some work with my money. But everybody's trying to you know ride that wave. They have nobody. It's risking to to become different or to last long in a game. They're just, you know, want to make their bags and then get out. But not everybody gets a chance to really do something great. Everybody is just being mediocre by sounding the same, doing the same thing, or just right, you know, riding that wave to get bags. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's that. I agree. It's that. It's that balance where I think now people are doing a better job of, 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 of highlighting good music again but for so long man we were just being bombarded by this this you know mediocre or just you know even trash for like the, the longest time now but, but now we're getting so much dope music from even like you know Young Thug to like J. Cole Dreamville back up to Rap City to Rick Ross it's like it's it's getting better it's getting a lot better to be honest and I hope 
in 2019 going forward, man, we start to see different types of adult music being highlighted. Bam, I see a renaissance of lyrics being cool again, and I love it. I really love it because, you know, the, the funny thing about it, it's like, and this is something else that I, I was talking to my homeboy with like last week. It's a, it's definitely an agenda with some of the record labels and they're just putting out this trash because they think it's going to appeal to the, the really young folks. And as long as the mm-hmm. really young folks like it, then it's okay. But what you have is like, you have a guy come up and make a song that's uber ignorant. You know what I'm saying? And it's always been ignorant stuff, but it's a way you could do it. Like you could just be ignorant or you could say something like Ye said and, uh, and Otis, he was like, sophisticated ignorance. I write my curses in cursive. Like that's dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's dope. You know, this is a dope line, but it's like, the kids nowadays is more like it's more so shock value shock value or if you have a song that you know strippers love or whatever you know what i'm saying then i guess that's, that's all right that's really what the the record labels are putting money behind but if you really think about it those artists usually what have happened they have one hit song and then they can't follow it up because they want that good right. to begin with the cool mm-hmm. part about these artists who are real artists who can really write really good or produce really good maybe they they one song they have like perfect example why ybn corday like can you think of like one really truly hit song he's had i can't think of a truly nah. hit song that he's had but his album is fire man like fire fire and like you know it's it's doing pretty well you know sales wise too I think people really appreciate um, artistry and people really appreciate good lyrics. Like, you don't have to necessarily be a cornball just because you're lyrical. You can be lyrical and be cool. Look at Nas, look at Jay-Z. It's, it's not, you know what I'm saying, either this or that. And I think the rec- a lot of the record companies are putting it out there that you either have to be this or there's nothing else. Like, you have to be super ignorant and try to make the next thing. But I think time always shows that people with the real skill are those who have longevity in the game exactly i mean there is a lot of artists now where even they might not be the dopest lyrically but they outwork people too like you can't tell me gucci man you know is like one of the dopest rappers he's he's not that but he just happens to outwork some of your favorite rappers that can spit that lyrical miracle all day but do they have oh, enough bars uh, right you know do they have enough charisma do they have that ear for the beat to keep making these albums that you know people tend to like you know but, but you got that hunger are right, you hungry right are you hungry you know what i'm saying when the words now people are just solely based on you know what i want to look like this person i want to sound like that person just so i can make a couple bags and then you know two two three year tops they out the game because that's that's all they know they haven't had time to really develop themselves as an artist instead of just catching on to like the nearest thing but i'm happy where hip-hop music is at now it is doing a better job it's like we got away from the so-called mumble rap and now we're getting back into you know people you can actually hear what they're saying 
Like, till this day, I don't know how he does it, but I still can't understand a word what Playboy Cardi is saying. I don't even know how this guy is still popular. The only song that I know that I can't name a song is that one song. Right, I can't either, but okay. What song did he do? It's that one song, um, some, some, middle rock, hide it in my sock. Hide from the cops. <laughs> right, that's the song. Like, like, dude, that's the only song I know from that guy. But somehow, some way, he is still, I guess, relevant to these kids in the industry. I'm like, how? I haven't heard a, a hit song from this guy ever since then. You know what I'm saying? But hey, you know, apparently, he found himself a lane, and he's still making music that like caters to that crowd and they are listening you know you talk, listening and a black man, his career any black oh, man by the way man legally i'm with it hey hey man yeah, i'm down I'm with for that it. man brother keep doing your thing man and also before do we do your thing podcast, man. man um yeah gotta give a big 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 up to um little brother they came out with the last album with, with the latest album on friday Never heard of it until today, so I got to get my car revoked until I put it out. But see, okay, but okay, so I'm not, I'm not saying the album is dope or it's not dope because I haven't heard it, but it's not Knife Wonder is on it. So like, yeah, man. it would be like it would be like Run DMC without um, Run. I mean, without uh, Grandmaster J. What the Grandmaster? What's, Dang, I'm about to get my hip hop card. Jam Master J. Yeah, Master J. I was like, yeah, that, ain't, that ain't sound right. Yeah, Jam Master J. I mean, y'all still run DMC, but y'all ain't run DMC. Like, that's y'all DJ, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I gotta check it out though. Like, until you aborted out earlier, man. Like, I had I had no idea they put the album out. Like, I I had been hearing about Little Brother like the past couple weeks. Like, they. I think they actually are getting together with Knife and they're gonna do some dates performing, all three right. of them together. But um I wasn't aware that they were doing an album. So I gotta check that out too. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we you I, I think what we should do is, you know, play that album and then on the next podcast talk about it. Cause um I'm hearing some people talk about it now like it's a really dope album. Still disappointed that Knife wasn't involved, but it, it's still good music on it like you know beats by crisis and knots and it's like grown man music it's like mature music like everyday music right. you know what i'm saying so i'm yeah. ready to, to, to hear what they're talking about no doubt and you were saying earlier like when we're having a little pre-show meeting or whatever you were talking about snow allegra man what are your thoughts man. on her album? i had i you know, I'd, I'd never Ooh. heard of her before man but apparently Ooh. her album is like really dope Brother, brother, look, man. Uh, her <laughs> name is Snow Allegra from, uh, from 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 LA. She's on No ID's label out there, right? Let me tell you, man. If you're looking for some nice R&B music, you know, none of that ratchet R&B music, none of that rap R&B. I'm talking about straight up R&B music, man. Go get her album. It's called Uh Those Fields Again. She got some really nice tracks, man, and the fact that she can sing. She can't sing, sing, but she can sing. You know what I'm <laughs> she saying? can sing. Got you. You know, gotcha. but it, it's it's like it's it's almost like a Sade esque, a little bit, a little bit of Sade, a okay. little bit of a uh, uh, who's a good comparison, man. Um, 
I, I can't explain it. Side but... note. Hey, look. Side, side note. Okay. We will, I'm going to like Kanye interrupting Taylor Swift back in the day. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But let me ask you this, right? <laughs> Speaking right. of Sade, right? Because uh-huh. um, I'm a big Sade fan now. But I just, I was always aware of Sade, but I just became a really big fan, I'll say, in the past couple of years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that, because, uh, like, uh, me and my woman were talking about this. She's like 60 now. I didn't right. know that like Smooth Operator and um, Sweetest Taboo, that was the mid 80s. I In my mind, I'm thinking mm-hmm. that's, it was the 90s world that came out. No, it was the 80s. So I was like, what? So I looked her up. She's like 60. Remember there was rumors that Drake and her was like, you know, like hooking up. Yeah, whatever? I remember. Do you think Drake smashed? What you think? <laughs> I think he did, man. Like, I think he did. Pretty, you know, because you know wow. who Drake is? Drake is the type of dude who had all it, just like all of us, when you're like 15, 16, 19, 20, you got all of these women that you would love to get with, you know what I'm saying, in your fantasy or whatever. But then the thing about Drake, like a few years after that, he became a little famous like when he first came out but now he's like on the top of music forget genre he's just Drake is just on the top of music probably like him and like Taylor Swift they're like neck and neck he made something Mm -hmm. like 90 million dollars last it's ridiculous but like being at the top of music that affords you a lot of opportunities to be sitting in rooms with a lot of famous people who you probably had you know things for back in the day just to name a few we know Drake did got with Serena Williams obviously he got with Rihanna. Uh, who else? I'm leaving off a lot of people, man. His his hit list is like crucial, bro. He's like an assassin. Yeah, Drake he's is, a freak, is a freaking assassin, bro. Yeah, he is. Um, but um, but, but back to what you were saying, Michael. though. There you go. Lion Michael. Um, uh, oh my, I'm leaving out so many people. But no, Drake is that dude. But anyway, he seemed like the type of like, yo, if he had like a childhood fantasy, like, yo, bump that, I'm taking I don't care if she's 70 years old. I'm, I'm going to take shot. my shot. <laughs> Just to see if I can do it. Like, that's how right. Drake is, right? So I, I think it happened, bro. So she was probably like 57, 58. But, you know. And still looks like. I ain't mad at the man. Yeah, she's, she's still beautiful, man. So interesting. But no, anyway. Back, back, back to the album. But no, I think um, I think that's a good place to um leave off, man. You know, um Drake Sade, definitely. <laughs> Drake, <laughs> Drake, Sade. yo, yeah, man, he did it. That nigga did it, man. <laughs> Drake, Sade, Sade, Sade. Woo! All right, that's interesting. But anyway, so we want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. Um, as we talk about everything from, you know, the NFL and social justice and Jay-Z making corporate moves to wondering, you know, did Drake hit off Sade or not? We don't know. But that's what you get on the Key Solid podcast. <laughs> it's like, right. whatever we was thinking about at the time, you're going to get our thoughts on it. So thank everybody for listening to us. My name is Christopher Aye Quest. Follow us on Instagram at Geek Salad Now. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Aye Quest. That's A-R-Y-E, then the word Quest. G, give me your socials, bro. Yo, everybody follow me on Instagram. Everybody calls me G. Uh, and I'll make sure to post up all of the podcast uh, links up in the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. 
we're going to be on um, Apple and on Spotify, well, iTunes and Spotify. So check us out there, cool. show us some love. And yeah, everybody, we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.